1: Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company.
2: You know, I did have that the sort of starting to drink as a teenager. I did notice my drinking was different than um, other people's uh, fairly early on, probably like 18-ish, that I had to go out. I had to get drunk. Like I had to, it had to be that exciting event, to, you know, do that, um, those weekends. It wasn't a, a weekend, a weekend night of not drinking, we just, That's not an option.
1: This episode of Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com and use the code KDD. Inside the 5150 Studios, this is Knocking Doors Down, a podcast all about ending the stigma around addiction and mental health. Your host, Jason Lachance, here had some struggles with alcoholism as well as some childhood trauma. My co-host over there, fabulously tattooed, Mikey Naraki. What is going on, people? He's been busted a time or two. Yeah, what are you going to do? Thank you guys for listening to the podcast, of course, on the uh, Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast app. We are everywhere that you get them of course you can see the interviews also on our youtube channel at kddpodcast.com and our guest the unashamed alcoholic podcast host rebecca atkinson uh, awesome lady mike it's just a real delight and it's cool to go a little north of the border up into Canada, into eh? real delight <laughs> It's, it's funny because I forget oftentimes, you know, how much different the accent the accent can be. And how much nicer they are. Oh, this is true. I'm not saying our guests in the past haven't
3: been nice. They've all been wonderful. But yeah, Canadians are super nice. But there's like Canada nice, you know? Yeah. There's
1: a total difference. It's it, different. It was funny because in the interview you'll hear, I, I mentioned uh, Quebec, and she goes, Quebec. And I forget how. Different, we pronounce things, when we're in, you know. And I'm looking at both of you like, shit, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hers is an interesting story of alcoholism, how she fell into it, and now why she's speaking up so loudly and proudly, a single mother of two children. Um, And you'll hear how her kids didn't uh, see her uh, really abusing any substance. And really, she kind of paints the picture of... You know, that perception of what rock bottom is and how it might be out there in the media or in movies that you have to lose everything or whatever it is before you decide to get help is just not the case. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's a really inspirational story. Yeah, no, it's different for everybody.
3: That's for sure. Rock bottom can be something very minor or not big of a deal to somebody else. Everyone's
1: different. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, we thank you guys for listening, and uh, if you're subscribed to the podcast, hopefully you're doing so on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeart Podcast app. We are pretty much everywhere. And, of course, you can get all those links, including the YouTube channel at kddpodcast.com to watch the full interviews in video form. And we can't do any of this without... 5150. That's right, 5150 LTM. Swag Mikey and I out. Every trip we take, every interview we do, you'll see us in our social media postings as well as on YouTube wearing that 5150 gear. But wait, there's more. That's right. You listeners are knocking doors down. You can get 20% off by using the code KDD20 at 5150ltm.com. Hit me with that code one more time, Jason. That's KDD20, KDD20, at checkout. And, of course, that link is in the podcast description. Sick. Mikey. Jason. We welcome the lovely Miss Rebecca, uh, the host of uh, Unashamed Alcoholic, a podcast that I stumbled upon in uh, Twitter. And uh, it's really a great pleasure to speak with you. Um, you're just awesome. That's really why I wanted to talk to you. People need to follow <laughs> Rebecca on Twitter and, and listen to her podcast. She's just a cool person. It's like, ah, I got to talk to her. How are you doing today?
2: Wow. What an intro thing. <laughs> I'm flattered already. Let's just end it there. That's great. Uh,
3: <laughs> and cut. <laughs> great meeting you, Rebecca. Have a good one. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited
1: about this. Yeah. Well, what really inspired you to uh, start the podcast? Of course, you talk about your alcoholism. You talk a lot about you know your divorce and other stuff there. But what was it like in your recovery? They're like, shit. I'm I'm going to do a podcast. I just have to. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, I I've thought about that in the last uh, few weeks because I'm like, how did this all start? It feels like. A blur, you know, I'm like, I don't drink, so it's not like I'm forgetting something I did or you know, I had a blackout or something and I can't remember how this came to be, but honestly it just it something just uh was flowing, some ideas. Um I I done a radio interview locally here and I said I'm an alcoholic there for the first time. And, and uh, that kind of just started the thought process. Um, So that was September 2020. And then literally that morning, like I felt after I hung up from that interview, I felt like this weight lifted off of me. Mm. And I thought, okay, now what? Like what? something else has to happen with this. Like, I don't want to stop talking about this. It felt so right and good. And it was finally like talk, telling my my story and speaking my truth, uh, you know, as as we say. So um, it just it over a few weeks, I think the idea just kind of brewed. And I thought, you know, the best thing right now, and that's really accessible to a lot of people, is podcasts. So I, I don't know exactly how that idea um, was pinpointed, but here we are. You know, I, I just, (laughs) I thought, why not start a podcast? And little did I know how much excruciating work and time goes into it. And, uh, and, you know, so I just, I kind of just thought, let's, let's go with this idea. And, um, you know, uh, right from the beginning, it was, let's talk with well-known sober people um, who are sharing their, their story about sobriety or addiction or whatever it may be and uh, go from there. And you know, it was really on a, a hope and a prayer that that was gonna pan out and so so far, so good.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Unashamed Alcoholic courses is, is the name folks and you definitely wanna subscribe. And uh, uh, what is like family, friends, kids, what is people's feedback? Has everybody been pretty cool and supportive or anybody like, oh, Rebecca, why are you putting that out there? You know, it's always a mixed bag.
2: Yeah. You know, and I, I actually just had this conversation with someone, uh, my colleague this morning, because I said I told someone last week who was kind of like the last person I was holding out on telling, um, but I didn't want them to find out from someone else. And, you know, she said, why? Like, what, why Why were you afraid to tell them? And I said, I, I don't know, because their reaction was like, why didn't you tell me sooner? And they were super supportive and encouraging and had all these great ideas of where this could go. And I just said to my colleague, I thought, I think I was just still kind of worried and maybe a bit embarrassed or ashamed. And that's still following me. Like, despite the name, the unashamed alcoholic, I still do feel like a tinge of shame. And because I thought, will they judge me for this? Will they, you know, will they think of me the same? Will they, you know, what will their reaction be? And it was a hundred percent different than what I, what I had put in my head. So, you know, it has all been good. Um, but I, I can't think of one bad reaction to it. So, you know, sometimes people don't know what to say. Maybe they, they don't know what, what, what I want to hear, but, um, ultimately everyone, everyone has been incredibly supportive colleagues. I I haven't told the kids yet. They're very young. Mm. Um, they're nine and seven, that's next on my list. I was actually even thinking about doing that today. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know.
1: Well, we're giving you the love shove in that direction, you know? <laughs> Whereas mine are 12 and 13, or, or 11 and 12 going on 12 and 13, they don't seem to give it. They're like, cool. Uh, when are you coming home from LA? Uh, soon. Okay. <laughs> that's all they seem to care about.
2: Yeah. What's for dinner?
1: Right. <laughs> Uh, well, let's jump back to, uh, Rebecca as a young lady, um, kind of tell us a little bit of the, the background was, uh, addiction, alcoholism part of kind of, uh, ingrained in the family or, um, you know, did it, you just kind of fall upon yeah. the alcoholism on your own?
2: Well, you know, I've, i again, something I've sort of thought about a lot, um, It wasn't, you know, sobriety, being sober, not drinking wasn't ever presented as an option. And I think a lot of us uh, can agree with that, you know, as as maybe kids of the 80s, 90s, even now, um, it just wasn't you know, it wasn't like, you know, it was an option. We're all assumed that we'll just drink as teenagers and we'll have those quote unquote typical drinking years. Um, and that you'll go through these phases in your twenties and whatnot. So, you know, not the choice of not drinking wasn't ever presented to me. Yes, there's alcoholism in my family. I think I was kind of destined for this to happen. Um, I think what you can control is sort of how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, whether you pick up that first drink or not, if you've had that education on it, which you know, coming back to the kids is my plan for them is to show them someone sober, show them the story of, of how I've had to get to where I am today. And they don't have to go through all that. Um, But, you know, I did have that, that sort of starting to drink as a teenager, I did notice my drinking was different than um, other people's Uh, fairly early on, probably like 18 ish that I had to go out. I had to get drunk. Like I had to, it had to be that exciting event, Do you know, do that, um, those weekends. It wasn't a, a weekend, a weekend night of not drinking. We just, that's not an option. Why, why would you? What's right. the point?
1: <laughs> uh,
2: and then 20s was very reckless drinking, um, very bad decision-making. You know, I don't think I went on any dates to give you an idea of like what my decision-making was. It was just picking up, yeah, randoms in the bar I think like I don't think I ever went on a second date <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> but uh you know it's it,
1: we've got no right to judge you there Becca <laughs> I've got uh, I have no right
2: <laughs> you know and, and uh I just again that is you come into as I was coming into like my adult years and out of university and out of uh, my parents place and on my own uh you know living with I think six other people for my during my first job and I was like drink every night like why not you can now this is what you do as an adult right like why wouldn't you and my roommates weren't and I thought that's weird like you can right like everyone knows you can drink every day now right like you're you're on your own you're an adult and so that I remember specifically that moment thinking like why wouldn't you why am I the one only one drinking you know Um, And again, every Thursday to Sunday or whatever it was, party on full, you know, full, full on. And only when I had kids, um, I mean, I tried to moderate for a few years leading up to kids in my thirties and knowing that I, it was becoming too much of an issue. And uh, when I had the kids, it really took a hold of going, okay, both of these things are competing priorities now. And I can't, I can't manage both in this hamster wheel of, you know, thinking about drinking and planning my next drink. Um, I've got I've to get off it. It was just too exhausting. And, you know, contrary to a lot of the misconceptions and stereotypes around what an alcoholic is, you know, I had a job. I wasn't drinking in the morning, didn't get a DUI, didn't go to rehab, didn't lose my kids, all this stuff. You can say yet probably after all right. that. But, uh, you know, I was still an alcoholic. And so there's sort of like, what does an alcoholic look like is kind of why I wanted to start talking more openly about this because, you know, it's, it's not what we're presented in the media or movies, that sort of thing. So that's kind of how it, it it, it evolved. Um, but I really, I, I, I put it to the kids a lot as to that's, that's the moment where I knew I couldn't do this anymore. It was, it had just become too, too exhausting.
1: Yeah, how, was it how young were they at that point that you really uh, recognized that and just took ownership of it and said, "I got to get help."
2: Um, I so it they are nine and seven. So <laughs> let's do math together. And I am out. coming up to four years. So they were
1: was that five, five and, and three? three? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. But- fact checker need, over here give me pen, someone give me a back we have paper. fun he needs a an abacus paper. over here to give him the little <laughs> fucking abacus. we have iphones now i don't need to do math anymore
2: quick 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 pop quiz
1: just like no so, one yeah. remembers directions anymore i ah, just put it or oh, phone, phone, phone numbers along. or
2: anything yeah why would you <laughs> so no it was uh they're very they're much younger mm. um five and three so they'll never remember me drunk or anything like that mm. so they'll only you know as long as we continue on the road we're on, they'll only remember me sober and and see that as an example. So I'm really happy about that.
1: You talk, go ahead, Mikey. Sorry. Well,
3: that's good that you're going to tell them at a young age. I didn't know about my dad and his drinking till I was probably 24, 25, because I, I was very young as well. And he had told me stories where, you know, he would just be, Drunk as hell on the lazy boy and me and my sister and our neighborhood friends would be running around and he just couldn't even get up because he was so hammered. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, damn, if you would have never told me that I would have never known. So why did you tell me that? And he was just like, well, I just thought you needed to know. And, you know, a lot of my family, I some of them listen to this, so I won't be specifics. A lot of a certain side of my family, if not all of them, all of them are alcoholics. (laughs) So it was bound for, I wasn't an alcoholic however, but I did get heavy into drugs, which led to rehab mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. my question is, are you like, were you hesitant on wanting to tell them? Or are you for sure? It was for sure. I'm going to tell them it's just a matter of when, or were you kind of like, do I need to? Because they're not going to remember and you seem mm-hmm. like you're doing great. You're on the right path. So they mm-hmm. never have to worry about seeing you drunk. So were you, what was your decision with that?
2: I think it's, um, it comes back to the the pride of it, which is why I started the podcast in the first place. Cause I got sick of not saying the word alcoholic and I got sick of just being like, you know, secretive basically about it. Like you're secretive in your addiction and then you're secretive in recovery. Like that doesn't make sense. Like, come on, life is so much better now. Why can't I talk about this? So, you know, I, I started the podcast. I want them to know what I'm doing. Like, I, you know, when they see the microphone now, I'm just like, well, it's for work, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I want them, I want to be able to take pride in myself and my recovery and show them, but I want to, you know, really importantly, make them not warn them, but I guess like put it out there that this is in your family. You, sh- you need to know about this. Like, not just like, yay me, look what mom did, but like seriously, weigh your options because this could lead you, you know, unnecessarily down a, a path you don't want to go down because it's in, it's in my family, it's in their dad's family. Like we're really well covered here. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's more to be able to make the, that educational decision on their own, um, being open about it because no one in my family was open about it uh why can't we we should be we should be giving kids the option like you know you don't have to drink
3: mm-hmm.
2: you don't have to do like it's just not, it doesn't have to be part whether you have alcoholism in your family or not drinking doesn't have to be a part of like growing up
1: yeah no I, it's it's interesting to say that i know that uh, my kids and their their mom and i've talked very openly about struggles um with it to really educate them from from especially my side of the family um for sure. I mean, I've I've relatives not here because of addiction and what it's done to them. So it's the you know strongest weapon is is educating right and really letting yep. them know like, hey, it it could be a slippery slippery soap, uh, slope. Uh, you know, I've got an older brother. Him, no problem. He can have two beers, but you know you could probably relate. It's like. Why yeah. would you have two when you could have ten? <laughs> you know, and So that's, that's just like shit. But yeah, I, you and, and
2: you know, the other part is is the language around it too, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, the more we hear the words alcoholism, addiction, sobriety, recovery, and that it's like just normalized, the less they'll grow up with like what the mentality a lot of us have, or the stereotype or the misunderstanding of what those words mean right or what that looks like so just to make it more of a commonplace acceptable thing um for them too so you know because I mean I grew up with the misconceptions and I think a lot we can relate to hearing these words and having like a misunderstanding about it or a stereotype or a stigma attached to it so just being able to say that those words to them openly and you know like let's just let's just change the way we think about it
1: more with becca coming up we'll talk a little bit more about how the podcast came together some of those fun
0: random questions and becca leaves you with some words of inspiration stick around the knocking doors down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the carlos Viera foundation and how it all started all proceeds from the book benefit the carlos Viera foundation's race to be drug free campaign so what's that all about Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org breaking news,
1: this important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic
3: service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer which is now
1: available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million worldwide who trusted Manscaped with
3: this exclusive offer to you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code
1: KDD at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance, the craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level.
3: What makes this trimmer different than all the other trimmers you may ask? a new multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock
1: created for the people who like to travel. The Lawn Mower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. And look-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish Even features a hot foil stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show that mower off loud and proud. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KDD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You talk also openly about... Um, Having been in a toxic uh, relationship marriage, um, did you really start to identify and gain the strength to remove yourself from that once sobriety took hold? Or was it kind of get out of that and then sobriety is like, okay, and I'm also a problem to myself. What was kind of the order of that for you? yeah
2: well I wouldn't I you know the the relationship I don't wouldn't necessarily classify it as toxic Mm. I think I was I contributed to the toxicity of it in my addiction for sure Mm. um but you know it's it's funny that the uh in in recovery and in sobriety you go through these sort of periods of of and and waves I think um you know the first year is just like a chaotic roller coaster and you're trying to get through it and then you get to the second year and you're like, okay, let's, let's go. And, and as you continue on the, you know, through the, the years and the time, just things just keep shifting and moving and changing and evolving because you're evolving. And it's, you know, I I think for a lot of people in, in recovery, you go back to like the age you started drinking and you have to like learn from there to like be how to be an adult and live your life back at that, starting at that age. So like you're starting over again, you got to figure out how to go from there. So you're learning everything new. And a lot of those decisions you made, you know, during your addiction are, just aren't going to work anymore. And, you know, the the relationship had taken its course, I think. Um, but I think the, the fact that I was sober and like these, you know, sort of peeling these layers of an onion off as you go and seeing clearly and going okay well this is what I want this is what I don't want it was easier to make that decision being stuck at home in the pandemic (laughs) I think (laughs) helped that decision too you know with kids Um, so you know would would it have happened uh, if I was still drinking probably eventually Um, you know I, I think the drinking was covering like it does covering up the issues because it would be like, okay, this is annoying me. This is a big red flag. This is a, a problem that we just keeps coming back in our relationship. But I have my best friend, <laughs> Wine, to help get through this and make it all got be gone until tomorrow. Okay. So I would just keep going back and back to that instead of actually addressing the issue. And then, okay, don't have that anymore. Now I have to actually deal with things. And so we did. And, you know, I think it would have ended eventually anyway um would i want to be single and drinking still no (laughs) no as terrifying as dating sober is i would not want to be the me uh who is drinking before now and in like going to my 40s with kids absolutely i
1: I did it post-divorce and boy it was a shit show i gotta tell you (laughs) you know a lot of nice ladies are probably like Oh, he's such a sweetheart sober, but boy, what a dick otherwise. And, you know, it's as we know, it's Jekyll and Hyde. It's just what happened. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So. I feel
2: like there's a lot of stories there.
1: Oh, good god. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so uh, back to the uh the Unashamed Alcoholic podcast. What are some of your favorite interviews so far? We've actually had some crossovers of people some we haven't released yet, but you know, What were some of your favorite, maybe surprising interviews or people that were just, just blew you away?
2: Um, You know, it's funny that every, every one of like the people who I've spoken with are all so different and their stories are also different. Um, But I think it really hit me with Theo Fleury um, when I was Mm -hmm. talking to him that there's something in each story that I can connect to. And you feel like you... Are the same with that person, even if, like, you know, they had lived a completely different life than you did. Uh, and in his addiction wasn't the same as mine. His career wasn't the same as mine. His trajectory wasn't the same. But there was there were moments in his story that were just so, like, oh my god, I felt the exact same thing, mm-hmm. you know. So I find I find that connection with everyone is so. Amazing and and unique and these are you know a lot of them are very well known people so it's really cool to be able to have that little that moment. Um, Guy Fela is like one of my uh, like I I love his story just amazing. Um, You know what he went through and then where he where he is today is fantastic. I kind of love all of them you know (laughs) like they're (laughs) all so wonderful and everyone's so nice and I feel like I genuinely made um, some really lifelong connections yeah. with these people, you know, it's, it's, and people to take their time and talk about something that's personal, um, is just so amazing. And I, I appreciate it so much because, you know, it, you, you only hope that it's helping like one person out there, if that's all it does. And that's just fantastic. Right. And you don't always hear Uh, about all those stories we just put it out there and you hope that you know it makes a difference in one person's life and and that's really the whole point of it
1: of course yeah um for you with uh, the the addiction was it really just kind of that party age or as we find with many of our guests hand up there was some trauma-based background prior was that kind of your situation or we've had people that was like I grew up great, you know, uh, Hand you up. Know, we've had, yeah, we've had football players and, and a, a guy that's become a friend, you know, he just fell into it with, uh, with the surgery and, and some pain and got an opioid and then he was hooked, but otherwise had a great, you know, upbringing, yeah. childhood. What was kind of some of your circumstances?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that's such a good question because it's, I find that that's so different with everyone's story, right? Like how did it, what, what led to that or what, what contributes to that really, you know, is it, is it your, um, is it hereditary? Is it your, are you like really, you know, prone to that because it's coming through the family line some, somehow, or did some traumatic event, you know, lead to that? I didn't have a traumatic event lead to it. I, I, um, you know, had a good upbringing, you know, a loving family but there's alcoholism in the family, uh, a lot of it. So, and, and it hidden, right? Like not spoken about, um, uh, probably a lot of denial. Um, you know, and so I think, I, I don't know if my, my parents had had open conversations with me about like, this is what you are very susceptible to. Would it have changed much for me? Mm, probably not you know like I probably would have gone down that road but maybe at the end point been a little more aware of like what it what I was dealing with because for many years at the end I was just like I just I just have a problem moderating you know?
4: mm-hmm. like, right. I don't
2: I'm not an alcoholic I can't be an alcoholic that's impossible um, but I think if I'd been a little more up to speed as to what was going on you know, behind the scenes and years and years b- before me, I probably would have been maybe a little more quick to have figured out what i was facing
1: yeah we love that denial shit. don't don't. we're so good at that uh did yes you, did you go through the phase i know you had mentioned uh, quote-unquote wine your best friend did you go through the uh, phase that is quite often well i i will no longer do dark liquor i will do clear liquor i will no longer <laughs> do wine i will do beer and i will only drink between the out you know and the the whole thing oh, yes. we do to try to calculate it
2: Oh yeah, the bargaining and negotiating and and uh, well, you know, deciding. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, I, I was just thinking about on the weekend how I would have. I used to say the right night, right near the end. I was like, okay, I'm only gonna drink Friday and Saturday night, and then Sunday I'd wake up and be like, <laughs> so depressed because like I'm not supposed to drink that day okay but then it's a sunny day and someone's having a barbecue like well, this is now i have to so this right. is fine you know and like just rationalizing and negotiating and it was just so exhausting non-stop thinking about like planning you know trying to find that justification of like okay today today i won't and then two hours later there's a reason for it right so and then I just thought, like, why am I such a failure that I can't moderate this, that I can't control this? So it's just this horrible cycle of like, you know, trying to moderate, figure it out, negotiate, plan, self-hate, guilt, all that. You know, I'm so glad to be more clear headed now and have so much more t- very free time, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a 12 step program. What it, is that still a very common approach? uh Uh, in Canada and what's kind of the healthcare system? Is it, you know, we had talked to Guy a little bit um, and got into it, but what was kind of been your experience with going and getting help? Was it just, I could go do the 12-step program or did you need a 30-day program and some out treatment?
2: Mm -hmm. No, I didn't need a pro. I didn't go to like an outpatient program or, you know, a 30-day program. Um, I kind of right around the time I was like, about to finish and knew it was coming and it was like going to be that, that time. Um, a friend of mine who I hadn't spoken with in in probably two years kind of came out of nowhere and said, I got sober and you know, will you come to my celebration meeting at, at an AA meeting? I thought, Ugh, like, <laughs> no, <"Ugh." laughs> like I didn't want to, I mean, heavy in the denial, right? Like I think I just didn't want to, oh, I didn't know what to expect. Very scared. Um, But didn't, I think I didn't want to then to be like, you're one of us. Uh Like, come on, (laughs) you need to stay here. Uh, And so, but I went and I was just like, huh, everyone looks kind of like normal people here. And I thought she was the heaviest drinker I knew. And she got sober like, okay. So it was kind of in the back of my mind. And then a few weeks later, I messaged her. I said, I think I need to go to a meeting. And so I find it was really her kind of stepping in right at that right moment was just perfect for me because I don't know if I would have how I would have found that on my own mm. um, but uh, yeah so it's aA I'm part of a women's only group I, I went to a few uh, co-ed I don't know their okay. meetings um, didn't love it don't recommend I don't it. know why <laughs> I like men but I don't, I don't oh, yeah. know Um, <laughs> so I we went, I just, I stuck with a women's only meeting that I found. Love it. And it's been on Zoom for over a year now, which yeah. is insane. Um, and I commend anyone who's come into these meetings new because it's very hard to um, pop in somewhere where you've never met the people before. It's already like i remember my first meeting going in that was just like terrifying terrifying that like you're putting your face to this and you're gonna see a bunch of other people even though they're all there for the same reason (laughs) um so i commend anyone who can pop hop on a zoom and do that you know but at the same time you can keep your camera off and whatever but you know, we've had a few newcomers over the last year, uh, to our zoom. So, um, I, you know, I think that the 12 step is just as common here. And, and you know, what's fantastic about the pandemic <laughs> sentence you don't want to hear, uh, <laughs> is that I've been able to join meetings in, um, uh, Michigan and Minnesota and, um, uh, in Europe, like, it's just so cool to be able to, you know, that you can do these drop-ins now with the, the way it's, they've been organized. So I think that's like kind of the good thing that's come out of it. And there's one, you know, people can just join anytime, anywhere now, which is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for uh, that is definitely one of the benefits, and hopefully it doesn't go away. Of course, the in meeting, in person meetings have a, an extraordinarily extraordinarily strong impact for sure. Yeah, but yeah. you you need a, a two a.m. meeting, you might just be able to find an English speaking one around the world. You know, you're struggling exactly. or whatever. So yeah. it's like a guy in my my group because oddly my group is San Diego, so that's a good what seven hour drive from us, six Easily. hours. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh. there is no freaking excuse. Like you can get on. It's like, no, you can be in your pajamas. And even if you come a little late, you just, there you go. Yeah. You don't have yeah, to exactly. share whatever it is. Granted, yeah. uh, surprise, I'm a talker but uh <laughs> no yeah <laughs> uh, but it is because you it's a wonderful impact because you don't know who your story is going to help could be the person 35 y- years in or 35 hours in whatever exactly it is, you know exactly
2: yeah no and that's what's just so nice about it is is the the fellowship of it um and the fact fe- you know just like just like with this like with, in the podcast i find it every time I tell my story or I listen to someone else's, it helps, right? Like it helps me still. You know, it's not it, it's not like this doesn't help me each time I I talk about myself myself, but or or listen to someone else, right? Like so that's what the these programs are about, and that's what the sharing is about, right? It helps other people, but it helps you too. Yeah.
1: Uh, just to prove that sobriety is not flipping boring people. What's uh, <laughs> other than parenthood, what's uh miss Becca do for, for fun? What, what <laughs> well, is the I enjoyment think like, of life? Granted the, lo- lockdown and all that, but.
2: <laughs> yeah. Forget about the, the last year. Um, you know, I, I, the one thing I was really scared about in, in sobriety was I, that I would never go to a concert again. I thought I would be so, I thought like, well, that's it. I'll never, well, it's pointless to, you know, I'll never have fun again. Uh, you know, I'll never go see a concert again because how could it be fun without drinking? And that was the really big thing that I've learned that is actually a thousand times better. Well, so you because and, <laughs> you remember it now. You remember the songs yeah. that they play. You don't throw up somewhere mm-hmm. and you don't have to keep missing part of it to go to the bathroom or go buy a drink or whatever. It's also a lot cheaper living sober you know because yes. you're not buying these expensive drinks at the venues but you know I, the concerts I, I love going to concerts i mean i if i could i would see hollow notes like once <laughs> once a week <laughs> uh so you know i i travel within an 8 hour radius to see hollow notes so it's usually down into the states i have to to go um i did it twice last last summer um hollow notes and backstreet boys those are very, two very different groups, but right. th- that's that's my jam. That's that's what I do for fun. Well yeah, shit, no. now
3: I'm worried about concerts on if they're gonna happen, not being sober or not, but just because of the pandemic, like you think everything's locked down, all the stores are closed, six feet apart. Can you imagine going to a concert <laughs> <No>. that close? <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like shoulder to shoulder no, with I'm thousands just of people. I know.
2: I know and it's I like I can't, I can't.
0: I, is
3: no. is that going to happen again? Is that just a thing in the past? Cuz I'm a huge football fan. God, I go I to Niner so. games every year. So it's like is that ever going to happen again? Are we able to get I mean there's concerts
2: on scheduled in the states for this summer that yeah. I think are going to happen, but I like I can't I mean I was at the Backstreet Boys a few years ago and like I was like being pushed by people like, you know, they're like you could turn and kiss anyone, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I can't Oh, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about being that close to strangers you know like i can't imagine it but listen for hollow notes i'll do whatever it takes
3: <laughs> yeah if i wasn't a germaphobe before i sure as hell am now especially with you all have this no
1: fucking idea what it's like to travel with this guy and I'm just, I love don't, him, but... don't move don't move lysol wipe it lysol. you didn't wash your hands when you
3: got back from the store wash your hands just everything and what? then flying oh Gosh, give me a minute. I need 10 minutes to clean my area. Nobody look at me or oh. talk to me. I'm cleaning my area.
2: Yeah, uh, I think you want to do that on a plane any day any for day. sure.
3: I not so I mean yes, you're right, but now it's like multiplied by 100. On how planes
2: are um, cleaner the air is better than if you go to the grocery store it's better you're uh, you're less chance of yeah cleaner in the air circuit because the air's circulating so much
1: mm-hmm. now you gotta tell him that now i can never get the guy to go to the grocery store for himself
3: he <laughs> so, just have to live on tar- a plane
1: target pickup <laughs> is a lifesaver <laughs> target- throw Shit. it in
3: the back just i'll pop the trunk for you uh, and drop it off <laughs>
1: Uh, no, because yeah. I'm like you. I worked in, in radio for 20 years, so I was a concert going nut. And I, I love it. I'm not as worried about it. We actually have a huge rock metal festival north of us in Sacramento that's still supposed to go on. Metallica is supposed to play really? two of the three wow. nights. So. I didn't know that. But I don't know how they're going to limit it. I know for some events they're, they're doing ticket sales, what they're calling pods. So if it was like a group of six, your seats are together, and then they'll you know mm-hmm. distance you maybe a couple seats between the next group and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I, you know, who knows how they're going to approach it. I, you know, hopefully you could get back. I just want to go to a freaking movie. Am I the only one? Uh,
3: I don't care about movies. I never <laughs> yeah. did. I'll wait for it to come out on TV. Yeah, I don't want to sit
2: in the Someone sit kicking me or feet, having their phone on or sticking eating. to the
3: floor and little <laughs> junior son of a bitch is over there why can't stop we crying. just watch
2: movies at home yeah <laughs> i don't even want to watch a movie at home it's too long it's <laughs> my time.
3: i'm not an animal i don't need to go to a theater <laughs> are you short attention span becca is that one of the one yes, of the
2: things uh, you... very very short
1: oh <laughs> wait well. for it to come out on netflix <laughs> oh, shit. exactly Exactly. I, I'm a movie nut, as you as you know. Uh, so, uh, sporting events. Obviously, you've talked to some uh, hockey players, as you had mentioned. But uh, what is uh, what kind of Canadian stereo- stereotypes can we throw here? But are you a hockey <laughs> fan, or what are the what are the sports to, and stuff like that that you're into? If you get, I would be remiss
2: if I did not bring up the Ottawa Senators right now, because that's yeah. I'm the city beside them. Like I'm that's my. I mean, I'm in Quebec, so I'm yeah. probably supposed to like Montreal, but sorry like it's it's ottawa and that's bobby ryan played for ottawa and he's right. how i kind of came about doing this whole thing because mm. he talked about his his alcohol addiction yeah. so and i was just like hey this cool good-looking hockey player can talk openly about it like why can't i mm-hmm. and so that's how it all started but uh you know for sure hockey is uh, okay hockey uh tobogganing winter what else? Uh, Mounties, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. <laughs> and we all skate everywhere. I don't know. You know, it's a very nice day. I don't have snow here right now.
3: Uh, um, I've heard of one of those things. <laughs> the other things I've never even heard of.
2: What have I said? I don't have I said a
3: yeah. during this. Don't look at me like that. Don't I don't know, know what them, the fuck. They're the Mounted is. Police. No, I don't. Yeah, know that they is. ride horses. Oh. They've got. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not having been to Canada, Jason anyways yeah just for the record that is, that's but not what i do like,
2: <laughs> so they're not patrolling the streets like yes. we have our own you know city police provincial police that, right,
3: right 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 huh <laughs> don't even get Teva, and,
2: and a that we all say a,
3: a? oh yeah i caught that or a boat
2: oh uh, uh, i don't say about about
3: <laughs> a boat see <laughs> 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 fucking about Talk about, all right? Let's, uh, let's talk
2: about. I didn't say about, no,
3: yeah,
1: there's a little Canadian <laughs>
3: accent in there that I could hear it. Uh, <laughs> say about, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're joking. it's it. all right. We Thank say
3: you. dude and hella, so oh, are right, yeah. you know about? Yes, there you go. Let's,
2: let's talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. I heard it. <laughs> but about. Let's, let's talk
2: about it, eh? <laughs> <All right>.
1: Uh. <laughs> jeez yeah no a lot of our stereotypes are true for sure absolutely this guy (laughs) what's up dude what's up dude what's going on bro but the you know the not right
3: stereotype we don't surf to school not all of us are friends with the kardashians i don't know who they are we met a jenner but not the kardashians Um, what's another one? What are some other stereotypes?
1: Uh, everybody's been to Disneyland. No, the vast majority of Californians have not. Although I've been there way too much. I've been there a million times. So I guess (laughs) we- I've never been.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's not necessarily American stereotypes. I was more or less talking about West Coast stereotypes. Like the dude and hella. Yeah, bro. Yeah. You know, I do talk about yeah, like that. you that.
2: all surf, that you... Yeah,
3: I, I don't surf, sure. not a surfer. Not Tried, a surfer. ate shit. Yeah, not yeah, a yeah. surfer. Skateboarded, you know. but not surfing. <laughs> One time.
2: Okay, skateboarding too. Yeah, yeah. skateboarding,
3: uh, 15 years right here. So I guess I fall into that, you know. <laughs> too.
1: Uh, Becca, before we get to our uh, random questions, why don't you tell people a little bit more about where they can find the podcast, your website, so they can sign up to uh, uh, your email blast for new episodes and everything else.
2: <laughs> yes thank you for being one of my subscribers by the way you're welcome <laughs> i look at my list i know who's on there <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yes yeah, so the unashamed alcoholic i have a website you can google that list the ca ending is because i am in canada mm-hmm. uh, so it, my podcast is on the website as well as uh, all major platforms like google spotify all that good stuff and then on twitter i am at UnashamedALC, so you can find me there too
1: Yeah, and if you uh, follow us on Twitter, you can find Becca in there. We retweet a lot of her stuff, so (laughs) she's easy to find, I guarantee you. I
2: love the support. It's wonderful.
1: Absolutely. And for those uh, listening or watching, you can click the links in the podcast description as well to take it there uh, to all of Becca's uh, outlets. Mikey. Random questions. You're up first. Good, sir. All
3: right. Well, I was going to ask a question relating to music, but I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be Hall & Oates or Backstreet Boys. So we'll go to a different one. If they were to make a movie about you, oh. who would you cast to play yourself?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think just because of the my hair right now, probably Jessica Chastain.
1: Oh, that's a good one. I was thinking that, or like a you know Nicole Kidman look. You, mm. you have that. Very, I could see Nicole Kidman. Yeah. yeah.
2: I need a. I need some more filler before we. <laughs>
1: oh, you look great. Stop it, <laughs> uh, Jason. What do you got? Well, see, I want to do the music movie. I do think it. it's a fun one. Uh, if you were on a deserted island and you could have just one album, and one movie, what would they be?
2: Uh oh, my. I would make a Hall and concert <laughs> special ever <laughs> the movie and I would do like the best of Hall & for the album. Hard fan.
1: La- I love la- it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: hey, I love I, it.
2: I can't live without them basically. And yeah. I feel, think they feel the same about me.
1: I'm sure. What got you into <laughs> Hall & How did that like really get into it?
2: Uh, I am a child of the 80s so that's what I grew up listening to and uh, then I realized a few years ago that they were touring. And I just thought like, well, what have I I've been missing out on this yeah. because I was drinking and because uh, I wasn't go- going to any concerts or doing anything because I didn't have any money. Um, so then I just started like going to see them and I, y- you know, they tour every year so um, I can squeeze in two concerts a year basically. So.
3: Nice. You know what? They, how, how they you feel, know
2: who I am now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird.
3: <laughs> how you feel about Hall & Oats is the same with me for Guns N' Roses. I'm absolutely obsessed with Guns N' Roses. I love everything about them. And I don't like Motley Crue because Guns N' Roses had a beef with Motley Crue. That's how big of a Guns N' Roses fan I am. I love never. it. And Motley I Crue love it. has great songs, but I can't like them because Guns N' Roses I love didn't it. like them.
1: and I'm a big I love fan how you get both.
2: the, you know, you're in the personal side of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Right. They, they would do the same for me. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, Daryl Hall's phenomenal. I always loved Daryl's uh house. And when he had Sammy Hagar on, yes. I'm a big fan of, and they did uh Family Man, I was like, that is the best oh, oh my God. that is the best version it's, of that song.
2: I know. Oh, that song is so good to begin with. And then yes, he's got he's done so I had so many amazing guests in there where you go, yeah. I don't at first you're like, I don't see how this is gonna work. And then it's really it, it's a fantastic. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love that show. All right, Mikey, you're up.
3: Um, let's see. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? Oh. Hmm. I kind of
2: want to be invisible.
3: Yeah. Why a, is that? I feel, a feel like you way. could
2: seal it. I don't know, though. Maybe you don't want to see some of that
3: stuff. <laughs> we we've gotten that a few times and they've yeah. had interest interesting reason, but why invisible though?
2: Uh well. Pro- I'd say the first thing that comes to my mind is so I can disappear if the kids are bothering me.
1: Oh, <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> and, and, Mom, you in there? And, and anybody <laughs> that's judging that doesn't have kids, every single no. <laughs> fucking parent thinks that same thing. Yeah. Oh, like I do have like kids, but I totally. Bit, yeah, you know? I totally get it. I'm sitting kids,
3: there. I'm, I'm.
2: I'm on the, my phone. I'm. I'm doing whatever. But you just. You don't know I'm there. Well, yeah. then they're just going to see great. a floating
3: phone, and that would scare the shit out of them. <laughs> <Mom!
1: laughs> uh, my favorite is when you, when they've ignored you all day, and then you go to do something as mundane as oh, I just need to use the restroom real quick. Then I will say, Dad, 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 <laughs> dad. Or they get in a fight or something. You're just like,
2: shit. Yes, oh, the fighting. Uh, I know these yes. are your
3: questions, but you want to know mine. Trans or teleport so you just snap your fingers and Ooh, you're I there like that. where you're at like i need to go to new york i'm in new york now you know mm. just bam you don't got to go through custom security the guy breathing down your neck wiping down the <laughs> seats for 20 hours and you're just there that would you be know amazing. i
2: changed my answer i want to do i used to I'd be really envious of sabrina the teenage witch because she could snap her fingers and like something oh, I be done. So, love like, that show I, mean, I do like not have to do the dishes or make beds or whatever i just done
3: Melissa yeah. Joan Hart, I forgot about her. That's right. Uh <laughs> that was a
2: good show. The cat was the best part the of cat The cat was, was
3: the best. The best what was his name? Felix? Salem. 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 Why did I think Felix? Salem. How
1: would you think Salem? That's right. Uh all right, uh, one more for you here. Um Oh, goodness gracious, my mind just went blank on which one. Oh, if you could have dinner with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Could be someone who, from. Who do you think I'm gonna? I was gonna say Jason Daryl it's Hall and Oates, one of them. Anyone but Daryl Hall. Okay, John Oates. I was gonna Anyone say, are you serious? I do you not know these
3: fucking answers? Read the room. Read the room. All right, you guys have. A good
2: no, fun. I I give up my 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 dinner if I can't have either of them. What <laughs> about gonna, you know
3: J C Chazay or um, <laughs> right? That's his last name. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah yeah i'm trying to think of anyone from Baxter boys but i don't want to get them mixed up with nsync
2: okay so well there's kevin brian kevin that's Nick, right aj kevin for sure that- kevin but he has to get divorced first because i'm not doing this like i'm not interested if you're
1: married forget it <laughs> right. I know, right not- so feeble
3: got married and it broke my heart
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if he's not sitting there aimlessly staring into your eyes like Screw this! I'm out. Well, yeah. Then I'll just yeah, pick exactly. somebody else. Exactly. It's pointless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Mikey, got one more before we
3: give uh, Miss Beckett the last word. Yeah? I do got one more. If you can get rid of any state <laughs> in the U.S., <laughs> which state would it be, and why? Florida. Florida's on I'm it. Just, man. <laughs> you just,
2: can't make Canadians say that.
3: I know mm-hmm. that. I was asked. As I was asking, I was like, "But you're not even in the U.S., do so I guess I, you can't really answer." Do
1: you want that. us to start a war or something here, right yeah. here on this podcast? <laughs> yeah.
2: Listen, I am waiting for my vaccine to probably come from you, so I'm not going to say anything bad. Just please send all your vaccines. That you're yeah, because
3: that to. state's going to be like, "I got a vaccine for you." <laughs> I got a- yeah, it right now, <laughs> with her
2: name on it, right? Going in the garbage. Right?
3: Come on down here. We get the vaccines for you. <laughs> What's something interesting people would be excited to learn about you that they may not know already that you've shared on your podcast?
2: i think i've shared every single thing about yeah. my life on my podcast right?
3: i know i know well it could be anything <laughs> like a, a random hobby that you've never talked about that you have or something like that
2: oh geez louise i i don't i i don't think i have anything that people aren't uh, aware of i've just bought a house so i've got oh, hey, to go pack up and move yeah. for that thanks yeah it's a big uh that's a big thing i'm very excited about but um yeah, you know, I'm very transparent, whether it's on the on on the Twitter or uh, on the podcast about uh, what's happening, right. because a lot of it comes back to, uh, I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't sober. So, right. you know, as kind of cliche as that seems, um, it, it just wouldn't, life wouldn't be where it is now. So I, I kind of celebrate all those moments and I'm very, probably too open about everything that's happening uh, because of it. So yeah, right. no, I'm very... Um, very transparent with everything. There's not a lot of people don't know. Well, if that doesn't <laughs> we, uh,
3: get people excited to listen to your podcast, because you just said you don't hold back, everything's out there. So that's good. I'm sure that that's um, a good listen for anybody who hasn't yet. Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, ter- and and probably scaring away many s- potential suitors. So. <laughs> <laughs> Except you know, as soon as, as soon as Daryl or John contact me, then like. That's it. Like it's I'm,
1: good. I'm good. good. That's a wrap. <laughs> uh, last one. Uh, any pet peeves? Stuff that just annoys Oh shit my god. Out of
2: uh, you don't we don't have enough time for that. Uh oh, you and me both. everything. Every, hear it. Someone stand, I mean, someone stand too close to me as a pet peeve. <laughs> I had to tell someone to back up the other day. I'm like, we're still in a pandemic. Why are you up against me? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, chewing with mouths open, biting fingernails, all these things.
3: You know. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, biting fingernails now because nails are the dirtiest things on your body. We're <laughs> <laughs> in a That's pandemic. We're kind of in, in a pandemic. Get your fingers Stay out of your with mouth. with chewing
2: with your mouth open. Yeah. You're spitting all your moistly speaking and spitting towards me. So, you know, it's, Disgusting. Every, it's, all, it's all gross. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, and speaking <laughs> to- of that and pandemics and all this, I feel like you and I are very much so on the same page with that. Masks. <laughs> I personally love masks. You want to know why? Because if I go to a store, I put a mask on, I lower my hat. I'm very, it's not easy to recognize me. And I love that you get in, you get out. You don't got a small talk with the guy you went to high school with that you ran into on aisle six. You just (laughs) put the mask up, hat down, and you're good to go. I was
2: wearing a mask the other day and someone who I haven't seen in like three years is like, Becca, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit, who who are you? I don't know. Can you like? I have no idea who you are. You know, yeah. crazy. But yeah, uh, no, I'm a. I mean, we're we're pretty good on the masks here, eh? Yeah.
1: Well, this, I love it. This freaking guy—he trying to talk like he can be ambiguous when he goes anywhere. Hello, Mr. Tattoo. You're uh, freaking covered, everybody. And oh, now yeah, it's, it's, it's getting Mikey. hot. Now That's it's Mike getting too. hot, so I can't like wear a hoodie or something to cover yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Miss Becca, we leave you with the last words of encouragement. Maybe it's someone that's out there struggling to get into uh, recovery. Maybe they have a loved one or they're new to it or just people that just want something of inspiration. Could be anything they're looking to turn around in life.
2: Well, you know, I think what you guys are doing, um, what i put out there, it's it's in the same vein. You know, we're we're just trying to spread a message and and share hope. And, you know, I think that this this conversation we just had shows a lot um of what can be in sobriety that, you know, you can still have fun, you can still have some laughs, mm-hmm. you can talk openly and honestly about your past. And that that's what it is. It's in the past. Um, but that there's a light in the future of sobriety and and you know it's a good, it's a good life. And I think that if you want a better life and you're sick of that sort of hamster wheel of negotiating and can't, you know, uh, trying to think about drinking nonstop all the time you want to get off that, uh, that ride, um, that it can be, just be so much better. And I think if people are willing to look out there and see like the guests you've spoken with, the people I've spoken with, that there's hope and that, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed about.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Miss Beckett, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun.
1: Thank you again to Becca. Her podcast, Unashamed Alcoholic, is absolutely awesome. Uh, she really takes kind of a different standpoint of us. I mean, she just interviewed some uh, prominent uh, political people in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's touched with some uh, Canadian athletes, uh, primarily hockey, eh? Playing uh, the that's, puck. That's the only sport I think of in Canada. <laughs> and I know that's
3: probably ignorant of me, but I...
1: It's like the national sport. Okay, so, okay. So it's fucking gotta be, then. you know? I, that's Yeah, I think of hockey when I think of Canada, eh? What's her podcast course was inspired by a hockey player who came out about his alcoholism and got uh, got sober again. Click the link in the podcast description for Becca, and you can find out more about her podcast and uh, enjoy that. And of course, we—if uh, you listen to this—we uh, will either already be posted uh, the interview she did with us, or shortly. Uh, depends all on when you're listening to this podcast uh, as relative to the release date. So, pretty cool stuff. Check it out. And of course, for more words of inspiration and motivation, don't forget to get your copy of *Knocking Doors Down, the autobiography by Carlos Vieira, who turned his dark times into his greatest advantage, found ways to give back and uh, live the madness, live with purpose, and it's a great read. Of course, uh, all those proceeds benefit 100% the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Mr. Naraki, you got anything else for these people? Nah, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down.
0: 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the race for autism, race to end the stigma, and race to be drug-free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit
4: carlosvierafoundation.org today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors.